This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. David is here today to talk to us about sleep, the importance of getting good quality sleep, what can happen to us over time if we fail to get good quality sleep, and tips and pieces of advice we really need to take on board as as Western society struggles to get good quality sleep now. So thanks so much for joining and uh, sharing with us today. Thanks so much, Luke. Pleasure to be with you as always. All right. So, Dave, let's get into it. Western society is really struggling now with the advent of the Internet. We've got so much communication going on, social networking, people's to-do lists are getting really, really long. Sleep is becoming something that is beginning, I think, in a lot of people's mind to interfere with their normal daily life. And they see sleep maybe as a bother or something that's interfering with their fun or their enjoyment. Let's talk about some of the basic important factors of sleep and why we can't neglect sleep and why we really need to think of sleep as as we would think of water or food or other health modalities, sleep is one of the most important because it's what our body is doing from its own side. Well, the importance of sleep is gaining more and more popularity as, as less and less people are getting any of it, so no surprise there. The main thing about our, our sleep cycle is we have to get horizontal in order for us to be vertical all day. So that horizontal time is very critical in order for us to rejuvenate our adrenal system so that we can keep powering through our vertical day, standing up on our feet all day, for example. That's that's a big consideration. Another big consideration is immune system rejuvenation. Our immune system can break down if we don't get enough sleep. I think pretty much everybody listening to this has experienced that at some point in their life. Why is that? Well, it appears it has to do with our hormone cascades and our melatonin. And if we don't get that melatonin time, that three hours of good melatonin, our immune system actually can get thrown out of whack. And that immune system response that we need in order to deal with all the viruses and bacteria and fungi and all the stuff that's in our world, the candida, also our own carcinogens that we've taken in, et cetera, if we don't get that immune system rejuvenation, then we start to start getting sick. We start feeling the sore throats. We start feeling the colds, the flus, the coughs, fevers, the et cetera. And that is a critical secondary piece of this whole puzzle. Now, I reference this hormone cascade. It's not just affecting melatonin. It's also affecting cortisol. Sleep affects our cortisol, which is an inflammatory response. And if we get a good night's sleep, our cortisol levels can come into their natural flow and their natural circadian rhythm. That's a very good word, a rhythm, a circadian rhythm, because all of these hormone cascades are in a rhythm. They're, it's like a waterfall. It's like it's pulsation. And the sleep cycle is a key part of that pulsation in order to allow the melatonin to come up, which is a, a tryptamine uh, neurotransmitter hormone that helps to reset our immune system and the cortisol which is very important that it's in its appropriate level. Otherwise, we're going to get into anxiety and a runaway inflammatory response and then other sleep hormones and hormones in general, like serotonin, like dimethyltryptamine or DMT, which has gotten a lot of publicity recently. All of these things are part of the natural ebb and flow of life. And if we want to get away with less sleep, we're going to have to pay attention to the basics and know what we're dealing with. So some people, they, they get into this health movement. They're like, okay, I, I need to like now sleep three hours and get away with it. Really, that's why I'm doing this 
in particular interview moves. I want to make sure that we have all the basics so we know what we're dealing with, so we know how to reset that melatonin. We know how to keep our cortisol down. We know exactly what's involved with sleep. So if we need to, we can get less of it. But in most cases for healing, we need more of it. A friend of mine years ago, 15 years ago, said you can heal almost every single condition just by hiding, sleeping, being quiet, and not eating. Hiding, sleeping, being quiet, and not eating. And another part of that was just laying there, just laying in a room for three days in that condition, right? You may not even be sleeping, but when you're in that horizontal position, you are doing a lot of things that sleeping does. One of those, of course, being resetting your adrenal system because you're not adrenalizing by standing up. What else can be said for sleep? Well, there's another piece of the, of the sleep puzzle, and that is our left and right brain. My friend Tony Wright broke the world record a couple of years ago in staying awake. He's a raw foodist, very interesting guy, and he was able to discover in his brain research that your left brain needs to sleep, your right brain doesn't. That is very, very powerful research, and he proved it because he was able to beat the world record in staying awake. To give you an idea of how difficult that is, the last person who attempted to do that, other than Tony, went insane. That's how tough that is. He's, by the way, Tony stayed awake over 11 days straight. How did he do that? Well, <laughs> isn't that shocking, Lou? Imagine staying awake for 11 days without drugs, without stimulants, without anything, and, and just being able to, to do that and then go back to your normal life. And he did it, it partially while fasting, which helps a bit as well, because eating takes up a lot of energy. And if you eat a lot, you're going to then have to sleep a lot. Very important consideration. Eating causes sleeping. Anyway, coming back to this discovery that Tony made, the left brain is your analytical brain. It's your analytical processor. And the more analytical work that you have to do, the more you need to sleep. And that's something that you cannot escape in this life. If you can get into more right brain activities, more imaginative, creative activities, then you can sleep less and get away with it. Again, to have a proper night's sleep is very important for our left brain. Not necessarily our right brain, but if you're in that analytical work mode, you need to sleep. We need to be focused on where we're at in our life, what our reality is, and make our sleep needs match that lifestyle. Dave, I'd like to talk a little bit about circadian rhythms. This is a, a subject that's quite fascinating because not only do we have a circadian rhythm, the Earth has a circadian rhythm. Also, you've mentioned before that some of the different viruses and things growing in our body, they also have a circadian rhythm. And these circadian rhythms are something that's really helpful to understand because if we understand circadian rhythms, is there a way to kind of bring our circadian rhythm more in line with things that are in tune with health and healing? And then can we also learn to identify circadian rhythms that naturally lead to decay, aging, sickness, and eventually death, not only in ourselves but also maybe in some of the coexistence that we have between, you know, our own body and some of the organisms living in our body? That's an excellent question. Basically, what we want to do is to get our circadian rhythms and their natural ebb and flow, and their natural pulsation and cycle, we really need to bring the stuff from the heavens and the stuff from the earth together. What the heck does that mean? Well, basically, it means that we actually have to 
be connected to the Earth's rhythms or the Earth's circadian rhythms, which, by the way, are exactly matching our rhythms. For example, we've all heard about alpha brain waves and beta brain waves, and we've heard about theta states of consciousness and all the brain waves in our in our um, electrical storm that we call our brain. Guess what? Those are Earth human residences. They're the same pulsations that come out of the Earth. I, I couldn't believe that, Lou, when I found that out. I was totally shocked. I, all this research on brain waves that we'd all been blasted with since we were kids, and there was no recognition at all put out there that they're the same waves that come out of the Earth. If our brain waves get out of whack, if our circadian rhythms get out of whack, the Earth acts as a Greenwich mean time to reset all of those rhythms. We have to actually touch the earth barefoot or through a barefoot technology or somehow get into a body of water that's in the earth. The ocean is great. A lake is great. A river is great. Anytime we touch the earth, especially when the earth is wet, we get the reset. It's actually like a reference, as how my friend Clint overputs it, to our circadian rhythm system. Now, the other piece of that is that the the cosmos, the stars, the planets, the sun, the moon, are also part of the circadian rhythm system. And in order to connect the two up, we've got to be able to go outside and actually air bathe every now and then. So I do this, even in the winter I do this, and if you can't do this if you're in an apartment, you can't do this if you're in a city, but if you get a chance to do this, you should do it. And that is you walk outside with very little clothes on, but definitely no shoes on, and preferably no shirt on, because most of our organs are in our chest cavity, and our organs correspond to the planet, right? Like our gallbladders, Jupiter, and, you know, all that stuff. You've probably heard before, our hearts, the sun. Anyway, then we have to walk outside and with our bare feet and get connected to the heavens. And I like doing that at night. We call it star bathing. And there is something to it. Something happens. When we have clothes on, there is some interference. Just, we can't get around that. There's some interference and there's some change in the reset. It doesn't really quite get as, it's not as clean. You can do this during the day. We've all had that experience. We're at the beach. We're in a swimsuit. We're barefoot in the sand. We feel amazing. Why? Because we're actually completely connecting the circuit. The sun is beating down on us. We're connected directly to the earth. We're bringing the heaven and the earth together. We're actually a circuit that's connecting the heaven and the earth together. And that resets and aligns our circadian rhythms or hormone systems and allows us to get the better quality melatonin production, serotonin production, DMT production, to get the cortisol back into range where it's supposed to be, get our neurotransmitters pumping and pulsing properly, et cetera. Okay, fantastic. Dave, let's talk about creating a sleep sanctuary because if you're listening to this particular segment, you might be the type of person that maybe you're listening to this on your bed with your laptop sitting next to you, your flat screen TV, your, you know, your 42 inch flat screen TV is at the foot of your bed, your alarm clock is to your right, you have got a lamp there, you've got probably your cell phone maybe sitting on the uh, nightstand. I mean, I think a lot of us can relate to this type of a setup either in our own life or we've seen it in our parents, our family, and our friends. And this is the situation. These are the conditions that a lot of people are sleeping in. And when we sleep, it's almost like going back to the womb, except we've brought all this stuff into the womb with us, which really on, on a subtle level and also maybe on a gross level really interferes with good quality sleep. Can you talk a little bit about creating a sleep sanctuary? Excellent question. There's so many things that come to mind 
when, when that question comes up. First and foremost, if we can, always try to sleep on the first floor, the ground floor. First floor is different in Europe. The ground floor where the ground is or in a basement or somewhere close or in the earth because then you're closer to the natural pulsations of the earth. That's an important consideration. I've noticed that when people have a whole bunch of syndrome X symptoms coming up, can't sleep, immune system breaking down, chronic inflammation, pre-diabetic hypoglycemia, it just goes on and on, that they're usually sleeping on the fifth floor, the tenth floor, the 23rd floor of an apartment building. The further you are up off the ground, the bigger the problems are. So that's a very important consideration for creating a sleep sanctuary. Get on the ground floor, get it close to the earth, because the earth itself is your natural hibernation chamber. And, of course, a bear, what do they do? They burrow into the earth. They burrow into a cave. They get completely in the earth. What does a yogi do? They get right into the cave, right? What does a Taoist immortal do? They live in a cave that's completely surrounded by those earth energies, and it makes for better sleep. Another thing is we want to be aware of plug arrangement in our room. Every EMF plug system, you know, where you see plugs sticking out of the wall, it's emitting a charge. We don't see it just like we don't see a cell phone, Wi-Fi, or a radio signal, but it's emitting a signal. And if our head is close to that signal, it's going to disrupt our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic nervous system. It will make us irritable and it can irritate our cells, and in the worst-case scenario, it can actually cause cancer, it can mutate cells. So we want to look at the, where the plug arrangement is, and we want to put our head and our bed and everything away from active plugs. In my room, what I did was I put in, in my bed up high, so it's well aware, well away from those plugs, so I'm not close to them. Now, I use Amazonian foam core rubber. That's my actual sleeping mattress. I got out of using... Mattresses and box springs. Box springs, and I mentioned this to you before, Lou, you've heard me harp on this before. Box springs are a series of iron wires, and they're arranged like satellite dishes and like a capacitor and a whole, whole contraption. It's like an electrical contraption. If you've ever burned a box spring and the metal's been left over, you know what I'm talking about. That is accumulating like an electrical shift a charge if that box spring is near any plug. And in almost every case, when somebody has a box spring, it's pushed right up against a plug on one side of their wall. That picks up a charge and it emits it like a capacitor. So what a capacitor is, it's something that picks up a charge and it emits it differently. That's exactly what a box spring does. And when we accumulate that charge and it's being emitted upon us, especially if we're sleeping on a mattress on top of that box spring, which is usually contaminated with static electricity, we are in a recipe for an unhealthy night's attempt at sleep. So I got out of using mattresses because they had too much static electricity, which is terrible for sleep. We want a negative charge, not a positive static electricity charge. We know what static electricity is when you get that shock, right? That's the worst thing for our immune system. And I got rid of the box spring. So I got rid of those things, boom, they're gone. So then I went to a futon a natural futon, which was fun, and that worked for me for years. I used to sleep on the floor on a futon away from electrical plugs. That's a great solution. And then I eventually got my bed up high on an Amazonian foam core rubber. It's an amazing material. And then I have a grounding sheet on that. So you know what grounding sheets are, Lou, but many people listening here might not know what a grounding sheet is. A sheet that is 
stitched with silver wire, and then that silver wire is attached to a cable that runs to the ground wire of your home or is just actually literally put into the earth itself, into the ground of the earth itself. And the ground of the earth allows us to get in the same electrical potential as the earth. It's very, very critical part of sleeping. I now travel with a system like that. Right now where I'm staying here in Miami, I've got a, a ground wire system that can literally push into the earth. It runs right into a sheet that I wrap around me when I sleep at night, and that sheet has silver wire in it, so it conducts the energy of the earth around me, and it makes for a connection to the earth's rhythms and, and the ground, so I have less noise hitting me. You know, it gives me the ability to push that Wi-Fi and the cell phones and the radio and the plugs, all that positive electricity, I'm able to push it off of me. Like when you push two negative sides of a magnet together, it's a push, or two positive sides of a magnet together, it's a push, pushes it off of you. And then another consideration is just the overall feng shui of your room. Like where's the appropriate place to have a bed in your room? If you've ever heard of feng shui, the idea is, is that when you open the door to your bedroom, the bed isn't right there. That, that creates a disturbance, energetic disturbance. You always want to have your bed away from the direct path of how somebody would walk into your room. And usually around a corner, around a curve, so it's a more natural flow into a sleeping area. Every mammal, every mammal, from a mouse to a deer to a bear, anything you can think of, they always create like a little nice little comfy little sleeping environment for themselves when they sleep. You know, whether that's going to be leaves or pine needles or whatever it is they use. In, in, in the case of a mouse, it's more similar to what we would use because we like like a warm, comfy, cozy environment, and they will accumulate wool and pieces of cotton and stuff and create a little cozy environment for themselves. And they do that in a place that off the beaten path. It's kind of off to the side, around the curve kind of a thing. And that's what we want our bedroom to look like. We also want to be aware of our appliances. You mentioned television. Jeez, I mean, television blaring in your face. Keep the television far, far away from you if you're going to have it. The further it is away from you, the better. The EMF that comes off a plug, that comes off of Vitamix, that comes off a, a television, that comes off a toaster, that comes off a microwave, decreases, and when I say EMF, the electromagnetic pollution, the electromagnetic field, decreases by the square of the distance. So if you're right next to it, big problems. The further you are away from it, the dramatically less is the EMF, and it is it decreases by the square. So that means if you're five feet away from it versus one foot away from it, you are 25 times safer, right? It's that much of a difference. And that's the kind of consideration we want to have with all appliances in our bedroom. And if possible, this is something I'm learning more about in my house just to figure out how to do this, shut the power off at night in your whole house. There's a breaker usually for the whole house, and if you can, shut it down for the whole house so the whole house powers down so that all the EMS off, the plugs and everything goes off. And that's another consideration for creating a sleep sanctuary. Having said all that, Lou, I haven't even talked about, like, crystals, gems, the layout of, you know, what the ideal layout of a sleeping room, which, by the way, a square room with the metal roof is a very poor layout for proper sleep. The more natural the shape of the room and the more natural and fractal the patterns are 
of the materials that make up your room, for example, wood or, you know, a natural stucco or adobe or whatever, the better quality sleep we will get in that case as well. And I remember there's a phrase that you used at one of the last conferences that we did, and you said that we are electrical way before we're chemical. And that phrase stuck with me in hearing you speak now about sleep and better quality sleep. There's a lot of a lot of things being mentioned that are strictly around electrical fields and electricity. Is sleep, in your opinion, a sort of an electrical recharge for the human body? It should be, if we can access the electricity. That's a great statement. We're electrical way before we're chemical. Almost all our physics today in the field of nutrition, in the field of medicine, in the field of pharmacology is all about chemistry. It's all about chemistry. You know, this is this is how you deal with this kind of disorder. You take this pill and, you know, you have to take these chemicals. But we're electrical way before we're chemical. And we've got to be able to access some of that natural electricity of the earth if we're to recharge our system at night while we're sleeping. Now, originally, in our original incarnation on this earth, or our ancestors' original incarnation on the earth, we couldn't be separated from the earth because we didn't have any technology. We have to be directly connected to the earth always because we didn't have sleeping bags, we didn't have houses, we didn't have dry wood floors, we didn't have carpets. And in that part incarnation, we were electrically recharged every time we touched the earth. It was constant. Every time we slept, we slept on the earth. So we felt that immediate charge up from the earth. When we don't have that, then we may be missing it. And that's really where the barefoot technologies comes in, that grounding technology that allows us to access some of, some of that electricity from the earth naturally. Even if we live in New York City, even if we're on the 20th floor, it doesn't matter. It's available to us through the ground wiring system of our building, and we're able to actually get some of that free energy available to improve our negative charge or really specifically our alkalinity while we sleep. That's fantastic, and I know you've been a champion for the grounding technology for quite a few number of years now. Something that's available, if you go to www.longevitywarehouse.com, you can see all the grounding products available there. This is something that's really revolutionized sleep in the last two to three years for a lot of people, just having a lot of complaints about sleeping problems, and getting grounded is probably one of the most important things, and we talked about circadian rhythms. And getting our circadian rhythm in line with the Earth's circadian rhythm is a really huge step forward. Just as a final piece of advice for people, David, would you talk about some of the things that you would do slash would not do just before going to bed? So, for example, even if someone didn't have a TV in their room, to get better quality sleep, would you, would you not use a computer? Would you, would you not use the TV? Would you, or would you not eat or drink? What's some kind of things we can look at in the routine category in terms of do's and don'ts? Number one thing that comes to mind is we want to start bringing the light levels down throughout the evening. The brighter the lights are, the more screwed up our circadian rhythms are going to get. We know this from the research that was done on office buildings and how the, the fluorescent lights, for example, at night would throw people's sleep cycles out of whack, would throw their melatonin out of whack, would throw their hormonal cycles out of whack, like female menstrual cycles would be thrown out of whack. So into the evening, even in your home, you want to start bringing the light levels down so that we're not disturbing our circadian rhythms too much. Sure, they're going to be disturbed because the lights are on at night. That's not really a natural situation, but we don't want to go to that fluorescent light reality that we see in supermarkets or in office buildings. And generally, of course, when we get to sleep, 
the best situation is always have the least amount of light shining on us. That research is based on the study of sleep cycles and, and high REM sleep where you have a lot of production of DMT in the brain, which can occur best when there's no light at all. It's completely black. So you don't want to even sleep with a nightlight. By the way, nightlights are a tremendous hazard in terms of fire. It's probably the biggest house fire hazard there is. So I would always recommend avoiding nightlights. If you have nightlights in your house for your kids or whatever, throw them away. Get rid of them. They're vastly too dangerous to have around. They cause lots of fires. Other things, that, of course, that are obvious, avoiding eating right before going to sleep, that can cause a whole bunch of trouble. Um, a lot of people don't really have any firepower left when they go to sleep. And imagine having a big meal sitting in there. Avoid snacks even late at night, unless it's something very simple like fruit that digests pretty much immediately. Um, what else? Noise and noise pollution. It is probably a good idea if you live in a city to try to bring down that noise pollution by using some kind of an earplug or something like that to try to get to sleep. Some people have to do that in order to sleep. Um, we know, by the way, if you sleep some, with somebody who has sleep apnea or snores very loud, that snoring and sleep apnea can be decreased by sleeping grounded. That's pretty interesting research. And that may decrease the noise that you're dealing with if you're like a spouse. Um, and your husband, for example, is like snoring like crazy and you're wondering how the heck am I going to deal with this, just grounding them can decrease their snoring and the, and the sleep apnea, which is kind of like that almost that choking sound that you hear sometimes. It can actually become dangerous for people. Noise pollution bringing that down helps out a lot. And, we, you know, we could go on like this for forever. I also, when, before I go to bed, you know, I never drink anything that's very sweet, and I never drink anything that's very stimulating. I like to use a lot of water before I go to bed, and that's something that helps me to stay hydrated. Generally, I drink the most water when I get up in the morning, and then towards the end of the day, I try to drink a glass of water. Not too much, but literally a glass, like four to six ounces of water, and, and get a nice little glass of water in that way as well. It's the easiest time to get hydrated. All right, David, thank you so much for giving us expert advice on sleep strategies. And we hope that if you're listening to this, you found it very beneficial and improving your sleep every night with some of these tips would be fantastic. So thank you, David, and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much, Lou. Have the best day ever. This program was brought to you by thebestdayever.com. Thanks for listening.